the very near future, a group of brilliant scientists have created a machine that can control our dreams. is missing to solve the mystery and save humanity she must stop the dream terrorists from altering our minds from satoshi khan the acclaimed director of perfect blue and tokyo godfathers comes a visionary tale that crosses the line between reality and imagination. Welcome to Me and My Dad Watch Anime, where the 24-bit eggplant will be analyzed and the mailbox and the refrigerator will lead the way. My name is Drew, and I'm here with my dad, David. Greetings. And this week, we watch Satoshi Kon's final film, The Kaleidoscopic Dreamscape Opus, Paprika. But before we jump in the show, let's get something off our chest. Dad, what are we under the influence of? Today's choice is a Robert Modavi bourbon barrel Cabernet. We have a, a thing now for these bourbon barrel aged wines. At least I do. Have a nice fullness to the taste. Yeah. I mean, I, I like a little bourbon in my wine, so... Yeah. Any other sort of lubricant, any KY, anything you want to sort of release to the public? No, uh, but I will say that I'm a little hopped up on uh, mushroom. Oh, okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. Which goes right into our uh, <laughs> our trippy. I mean, they're not movie. psychoactive, but oh. um, I've done a few lion's mane uh, pills. Oh, I thought you were gonna say I did a couple lines. I'm like, no, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> this is a different type of movie. Oh no. All right. Well, why don't you give us a little background? Wait, on... wait, wait, wait. I gotta pour myself. Yeah, get it right up there. Sound oh, like little Wayne. Yeah. Oh wow! Snapping the lighter. This is a. Oh yeah, that's a good. That's a good pour. Perfect, perfect. Sorry to interrupt with that before. Yeah. <laughs> what can you tell about uh, paprika that we might not know? I know you have a big list of information, reviews. I'd love to hear a little bit about this. I even see you have a, a conspiracy theory. That maybe is yeah. going to take the heat off Christopher Nolan. Yeah, well, I mean, <clears throat> Paprika has been uh, associated with uh, Christopher Nolan's inception, sort of implying that, you know, Nolan might have stolen the idea, which I don't really buy into. Obviously, Nolan's film has to do with, you know, entering people's dreams. And obviously, Paprika has a similar plot. <clears throat> but in terms of the two movies, I don't think they, they really cross over. But um, I find it interesting that nobody has brought up a movie that was done in the 80s, I believe. And it was called Dreamscape. And it had Dennis Quaid in it. Yeah, the movie is... I mean, when you read the... Uh, the plot synopsis. Yeah, the synopsis. Um, they basically... It's about uh, the scientists that developed a technique that allows psychics to voluntarily link with the minds of others mm -hmm. by projecting themselves in the subconscious during REM sleep, which is similar to yeah, what Paprika like is. So Someone needs to hold this man accountable. Dennis Quaid has been going too long. Just nobody's giving him any sort of guff. Yeah, I mean, you know. Stealing. <laughs> well, I guess actually, no, he'd be the one who originated. So Satoshi Khan needs to get off Dennis Quaid's dick. I think <laughs> I think that's where we're starting yeah. here. How was this movie received? Well, it was eighty. Uh, it got an eighty-four uh, percent certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Not that I give Rotten Tomatoes a a lot of uh, not a credit. No, I don't give them credit for their. I don't really base my ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, but nevertheless, <clears throat> I feel like you do give a, a certain amount of weight to actors of the industry when they have something to say about the movies. I know a certain uh, special short guy. It appeared <laughs> at least in the Wikipedia page. Ooh. Yeah, um, I was uh, surprised to find that Frodo weighs in. Just on, uh, the character Frodo or the actor? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I bring it to light that he was Frodo, Elijah Wood from The Lord of the Rings. And, uh, Frodo weighs was, in. Yeah, so Frodo weighs in on, on Paprika. And um, in an interview, he states, The movie blew my mind, too. That also pushed the envelope of what animation is 
and it was kind of almost like a total mind head trip, that film from a visual standpoint. It seems like they cut him off mid-quote, yeah. but I, I get what they're kind of saying. But, uh, Frodo's a fan. Yeah. I mean, that's all you really need to know. There's the Ron Tomatoes and Elijah Wood, how he feels about it. Right. There are uh, more than a few people on Letterboxd who didn't feel so strongly about this movie. And I don't want to give the wrong impression because this is definitely a beloved film. Uh, I'm searching the bottom of the barrel, let's be honest. I'm <laughs> scraping through these looking for anybody to say anything good. So, first category, letterbox Reviews, the worst. On a half star, on May 1st, 2020, no offense, but fuck you and your dreams. May you never sleep again. Then we have a, another review in May by Ismail Goma. Two stars, needs more DiCaprio. We have another two star by Doug on April 2017. Are you happy now, Gabe? I don't know who Gabe is. I don't know why he feels, you know subjected to call him out just like the the swedish voice actor in the previous letterbox people are just taking their grievances out of one another two and a half stars by allison on july 17th 2020 horny that's it wow. <laughs> not even that's it that's just horny wow. another two and a half stars i prefer garlic by Isserly. m on april 2020 girl becomes horse when she orgasms i don't even know what that relates to but yeah, that was one of the reviews. That doesn't uh, come to mind. Yeah, I, I guess I missed the horse girl orgasm, which I usually try to avoid. Uh, <laughs> for another two and a half, we have from Jeremy on April 2020. Your unemployed 28-year-old cishet kissless male cousin who lives in a shed like this movie. And I don't think that's wrong. <laughs> but... We have one final one, another two and a half stars. It was pretty It was pretty hard to find some good, really low ones, but the two and a half seems about fair. While the concept was cool, the execution was unnecessarily sexist and fatphobic, which actually goes right into our Lost in Translation, which I don't know what kind of research you've done on this, but from what I understand, the novel is a little bit more risque, maybe is the way to put it. Uh, I, know the, I know the author wasn't particularly heralded for his uh, portrayal of you know overweight or you know sexual assault characters even gay i know is uh yeah. you know homophobia is part of the narrative in that particular one yeah i um i didn't think that uh i, I can't I, I don't draw any parallels with fat phobia i don't I know we're watching that, the same uh, movie <laughs> what <laughs> uh there's definitely some stuff about fat people and the same stuff like that came up in the Miyazaki thing. Japanese people are, are going hard at the overweight uh, population, and, and that's also a generalization. And I Yeah, I know. guess Dr. Chiba does give him some crap for his eating and yeah. so forth. Well, even on the letterbox, I see a lot of people who, who were talking about the, the, the rape scene between Osunai, where he inserts his hand, and the fat phobia. And that was one of the two big gripes, along with some other instances of uh, misogyny or you know sexism. Uh, one of the things that is perfect for our Lost in Translation category is simply the mind babble that these characters are essentially just rolling off the tongue once they start going into the dream world. And I see you have the whole first sort of uh, expulation from <laughs> Shima yeah. out here. Yeah, when I started watching this movie and then, uh, you know, wasn't really knowing what to expect. And then <clears throat> this Dr. Chiba. Shima. Chima. Sorry. Chiba's the... <laughs> Other girl. Yeah, right. He starts rattling off this nonsensical stuff, and uh, I'll just uh, repeat it here. Even the five court ladies danced in sync to the frogs' flutes and drums. The whirlwind of the recycled paper was a sight to, be, a sight to see. It was like computer graphics. That I don't support technicolor par parfaits and snobby petite bourgeois is common knowledge in Oceana. Now is the time to return home to the blue sky. The confetti will dance around the shrine gates. The mailbox and the refrigerator will lead the way. Anyone who cares about expiration dates will not get in the way of the glory train. They need to fully realize the lives of the triangle rulers. Now this festival was decided by the third grade class with the tech telephoto camera. Move forward. Come together. I am the ultimate governor. If anybody is listening at home, my father just ran out of the room and jumped out of a window. Yes. <clears throat> it was definitely one of those movies that it was uh, very impressionable. 
But let's hop right into the spotlight. Let's show exactly kind of our appreciations for this movie, things that we want to point out. Um, I guess one you you want to start it out? Yeah. I uh, like the opening dream sequence because I thought he really nailed the uh, the feeling of, you know, what you experience in dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole, like, running or falling, the running and feeling like you're not getting anywhere when he's in the in the hallway. I just really thought that nailed the experience of what dreams sort of portray. Yeah, I really do like the first opening scene. It definitely sets the tone in just terms like, you know, little people with big red noses with your face are running towards you and all the women look like you and they're all sort of ready to, the you know, wring their hands around your neck too. That's just a scary nightmare. And there's a lot of people who, you know, have commented that this movie is disturbing in some ways and I completely agree. For me, one of my favorite ones, one of my favorite scenes was when Dr. Shima is first taken over. The... The introduction to essentially the nonsense that's going to go on for the rest of the film. Right. You know, the word babble and then jumping out the window. The first time I saw that, I remember laughing. And I think, with good reason, I had to do so. Another scene I was actually a big fan of was when Shima was waking up. When Paprika goes into the dream, he's got that sort of slouch posture, has maybe that Stephen Hawking lip. And he's kind of just looking off in the distance. And Paprika becomes the country girl, lays on top of him, yes. blows him up. Yes. Uh, there was definitely a little bit of a sexual nature there. I don't know yeah. just kind of the way he was making his faces. I know definitely at the end when he blew up, I also explode when I come. <laughs> so I resonated with that particular scene uh, more than anything. Do you have anything to say about Himu's room, which is probably the the most interesting room in the film? I know there's a lot of stuff going on, but... You know, there's a lot to talk about going on in, in Himaru's apartment. Yeah, I enjoyed that scene when they, you know, break into um, Himaru's apartment. And uh, it's the classic person that has all kinds of weird hobbies or whatever. I mm-hmm. mean, the, the room is littered with dolls. Uh, there's the classic picture of him with Kokita. Kokita and Kokita's face is, is cut out. Which seems to be that classic thing where a picture where somebody, you know, obviously he had some issues with uh, Tokita. I mean, he's got the room of a serial killer. Yes, that's pretty much what you, it looks like. He's got that Kevin Spacey. And then you see that he's gay. (laughs) That's an interesting sort of detail that appears in his room that I wanted to talk to you about. Because in the novel, apparently the chairman and Osunai have some sort of illicit relationship. And I have to wonder whether Himaru is explicitly homosexual or maybe that's the chairman planting evidence. I don't really know. I know that that's some uh, sort of connection on that other end. Yeah, I thought that was weird. And then there was the other, uh, there was something I noticed. All the dolls have their arm up. They're holding it in like some kind of salute. Mm-hmm. If you notice, they all have one arm, you know, in a salute. I tried to look into what you know, what was going on there, but I didn't find anything. I, I didn't see that anyone really brought that... No Hitler youth sort of connection. Yeah, exactly. I, I, it was weird. If you look at even when Dr. Chiba goes into, follows, goes down the uh, in the closet, and then there's that Amiro doll or whatever, it's mm-hmm. when she sees it in the, in the amusement park, it's holding its arm up. Yeah. Which is just, it's just weird. And even in the, in the, the dream, what I like to call the dream tsunami... Uh, it seems like you, you see that all the dolls that are in that, that dream sequence um, or dream parade, up. they all have their hand up, which well, I don't know what that signifies. Well, we're, I mean, if we're just talking about Nazi uh, imagery, the bartender did have the post-stamp mustache, so yeah, there's maybe some legs to that. Yeah. I don't know how much you want to get into it. I have one last comment about you know Himaru's room. There's never as much semen as you'd think in a crazy person's room. I know for me, if I'm just sort of doing it my own, maybe a drop little getaway, but you would expect a crazy person to just have that place covered, <laughs> especially with all the other stuff going on. And it's it seems, as messy as it is, there's definitely a cleanliness that is not what you would expect. <laughs> what would you say your unintentional lesson or maybe your takeaway from this movie is? Well, I think you don't want to put your trust uh, in a man-child with protecting potentially dangerous and powerful technology. Uh, obviously there seems to be no, I mean, for them to just be able to, well, obviously the chairman 
had something to do with it, so he was able mm-hmm. to uh, to get a hold of it. But it doesn't seem like they had a lot of uh, security involved <laughs> in this. Uh, Not letting the Zuckerberg types yeah. push us around anymore. Um, the other one I had was Follow Your Dreams. Seems like Konakawa was, you know, regretting his uh, not being a, a filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, really, you don't want to be in somebody else's dreams. I would agree. I don't think anyone needs to see the shit that's going on in my head. No. I had two unintentional lessons, and they both sort of relate to one another. Love is the Greatest Escape, in a movie that is ultimately about escapism and film, especially just sort of dreams. You know, love love gets you there. That's how Chiba came back with Tokita. Everything sort of worked itself out when they found love. Which goes right into my second, which it's okay to simp for anime babes on the internet because they're probably going to cure your depression. <laughs> if anything that Paprika has told me is I just got to wait for some hot girl to fucking fix my problems. <laughs> so I think that's that gives me a lot of confidence going forward. How do you feel going into the three truths and a lie? You think you, you're up to snuff this week? Yeah, I do. Okay. You've done enough research, I yeah. can tell. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'm going to nail this. Let me start the first entry. As an ode to one of Satoshi Kon's favorite directors, when Paprika interviews Konakawa in the filmmaker guise, his mannerisms and appearance resemble that of Ghibli great Hayao Miyazaki, who was a visual consultant on the film. The second entry is, In an attempt to blur the line between reality and fiction, Satoshi Kon appears twice in the film, once as the voice of the taller bartender, Jinai, and again in the scrum of the parade, seen from afar, waving at the camera. The third entry is, while Paprika is littered with movie references, Satoshi Kon's source of inspiration for the DC Mini derived from the natural world, a touch-sensitive plant called the Mimosa Pudica, used to treat parasites, depression, and diarrhea. And the fourth entry is, Yasutaka Tetsui, author of the novel Paprika, was in talks to lend his voice to one of the film's characters. But in 2007, the plan was scrapped after Tetsui was criticized for tweeting, That girl is cute. Everyone, let's go and ejaculate in front of her and shower her with semen. This was in reference to the Statue of Peace, a statue memorializing victims of sexual slavery in World War II. Which one do you think is the truth, and which do you think are the lies? Let's start with which one you think is the first lie. That you can sort of snuff out. Um, I have no doubt that um, that girl is cute. Everyone, let's go ejaculate in front of her and shower her with semen. That is correct by the fact that it's wrong, but that is a real thing that happened. He, the author of that book, had tweeted that out in 2017. So, you know, the backlash was already, you know, couldn't have happened. But that's something that he actually tweeted, which I thought was very, very interesting. Really? Yeah, which is, uh, that's a pretty hefty tweet to send. Wow. You got to know what's going on if <laughs> you send that tweet. Did he uh, get canceled on that one? I mean, that's... I don't know what Japanese savage cancer for a, a tweet. <laughs> yeah, that's a tweet. That's a tweet for sure. I don't know what the Japanese cancel culture yeah, is like. Yeah, but you know but... what? I mean, I don't know if you've watched any Japanese uh, porn, but... Have you? Uh, I have seen a few. There does seem... <laughs> Look at me when you say this. <laughs> Don't look away. Yeah, no, there's there's definitely this weird thing. I mean, there's like these porn out there where they have all these guys ejaculating on on the woman's face, which is just... It's, I mean, a bukkake is what it's called. Let's, it, let's, oh, is that what it is? It is, yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know there was a name for it. There's a name for everything. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Let's try to stay focused. We can come back to the bukkake yeah. later. Uh, I'm sure it'll be mentioned at least. Yeah. So what, what, what do you think is the next lie? Or maybe if you want to go all the way for the home run, if you want to try to pick the truth. Yeah, I know what the truth is. Which it's one is it? where uh, Satoshi Khan appears in the film and does the voice of the, the bartender. You think that is the correct out of the, the remaining three? Yeah. That is half correct. Huh. Satoshi Khan is the voice of the bartender, but I added on the extra thing about the parade to make it incorrect. So I wanted to throw you off. Oh, the, sneaky actual answer is that the DC Mini was based on a plant. It was based on the Mimosa Pudica, which is a type of touch and light responsive plant that if you touch it, the the leaves actually sort of retract and come together. It's called the sleeping plant, the shy plant. The little research I did. Really? Yeah. I'm glad I got you with that one because wow. I'm surprised that that seems just enough, you know, scientifically named that yeah. I maybe was going to get you and maybe wouldn't. The Mimosa Pudica. Wow. Yeah. The mimosa pudding. inspired by that, yeah. Hey, you never know what you're going to find inspiration from. 
So how how closely were you watching this movie? Because I have a couple of tough ones in here. Well, there's a lot going on, so. But I watch it pretty closely. Okay, we're heading right into where you paying attention. Yeah. The movie Paprika begins with a clown crawling out from a clown car. What color is the door? Is it A, green, B, blue, C, yellow, or D, pink? Uh, I'm going to say A, green. That is correct. You have one so far. In the extended title sequence, we are afforded a close-up of Paprika's face. How many freckles are on her cheek? Is it A, 6, B, 8, C, 10, or D, 12? I just want to ask, did you do a bong hit before this? I do a bong hit every morning. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) There's no difference between my day when I'm high and I'm not. I'm going to say 8. 8, close. It was C. It was 10. And it was one of them was hidden behind the uh, the writing on the screen. So I really work for that one. The counting was a little bit easier than the sheep. In the extended title sequence, we see Paprika coming out of a sleeping man's computer. Around his cubicle, there are photographs of five women. How many of those women in the photographs are blonde? Is it A, one, B, two, C, three, or D, all five? I'm going to say all five. Incorrect. There was just one blonde woman coming out on the photographs so we are not doing so well throughout the film we see and follow the dc minis dream parade at the very front leading the march is a refrigerator what's inside the fridge is it a a toaster b a microwave c a boom box or d a telephone i think it's a boom box that is correct. Yeah. We have two out of four questions so far. We're shooting 50% from the field. You're not getting put on the bench just yet. <laughs> All right. During Detective Konakawa's second trip to the radio club, we see what brand of cigarettes he likes to smoke. What is the name of the brand? Is it A, Red Apple, B, Morley, C, Lucky Strike, or D, Peace Lights? I think it's Red Apple. Red Apple is incorrect. That is actually the... Lucky this- Strike? No, that is uh, the real, you know, that's a real brand. Red Apple is a brand made by Tarantino. Morley is a brand of cigarettes that is widely used throughout movies as a fake cigarette brand. And it's Peace Lights is the correct answer. Peace Lights? Yes. So that was a long three by you. Didn't go in. The coach is giving you the eye. (laughs) Wow. When Tokita, Chiba, and Osunai first enter Himaru's apartment, we see an amalgam of dolls and action figures framing the doorway. There are dolls, robots, Power Rangers, and a toy figure referencing a, fi- a famous 1984 movie. What is that figure? Is it A, Falcor from The NeverEnding Story, B, a gremlin, C, Indiana Jones, or D, the Terminator? Well, I'm going to go with Falcor. Nope. It was a gremlin. <sighs> There's a little gremlin really? on the right side of the screen. Yeah. yeah. And I picked the Falcor one because, you yeah. know, who is the director of that? Wolfgang Peterson. All right. Ah, okay. Which yeah, goes in... that's right. Yeah. Well, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll reference him again. We'll come back around to old Wolfgang. All right. We have, I believe, two more. Before Detective Konakawa begins to have heart palpitations in his car, he pulls up behind a city bus. There's one face fully visible in the backseat window. What is that man doing? Is he A... Chewing gum, B, talking on the phone, C, playing a handheld video game, or D, sleeping. Talking on the phone. Incorrect. Just like the rest of these people here, they are sleeping. He's probably having a real nice dream, too. Uh, Final question. When the clock strikes midnight in the radio club, we see the day changes from the 16th to the 17th. We also see what month it is. What month does the movie take place? June. Correct. Didn't even let me read off the answers. (laughs) Perfect. Hey, I mean, that was a tough shooting night for you, but we're only getting better. These questions are pretty hard, so I don't blame you. All right, let's jump right into put them on the Rushmore. This is one that you had actually compiled, and I had put a couple together. And, you know, the creepy doll sort of Rushmore space seems to be wide open with a couple of things. So does the Himaru doll and just the sort of dolls going on in this movie... Upset, Chucky from Child's Play, Annabelle from Annabelle, Dummy from Magic with Anthony Hopkins, or Billy the Saw Doll 
And there's a couple honorable mentions. Uh, I had Bianca from Lars and the Real Girl, the Clown Doll and Poltergeist, uh, Amelia from Trilogy of uh, Terrors, and Gabby Gabby from Toy Story, which is a pretty strong choice. That's a creepy doll. Yeah, these dolls are pretty creepy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think you can knock Chucky off. I mean, and Annabelle. Annabelle's a, a franchise. I mean, that's yeah. a big. Yeah. That's a big doll. I mean, she might be at the top of the list. I mean, well, <clears throat> she might have thrown Chucky off because Chucky got a little goofy you know Chucky did you know go through a different yeah. variation yeah. or two that put him off uh, the other end you know he, he's almost a, an icon of you know all I think it's John Gruden but <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 Raiders Raiders yeah. great yeah. John Gruden and the dummy from Magic that I haven't seen that one so I have seen to... that movie and that that dummy creeped me out okay Okay. And the thing is, the uh, the trilogy of Terra that I saw that when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and that movie scared me. What do you want to explain? What that is? Or yeah, like quick sort it of? was um, it was this. There was three. It was a it was a TV movie, and it and it featured Karen Black, uh-huh. and she was in all three uh, sequences. And this particular um, sequence is, she has this bad relationship with her mother mm-hmm. and she receives this and i don't remember but she receives a doll and it's like an aboriginal warrior fetish doll and you're and it was weird it had these little you know his little teeth and mm-hmm. it had this little wooden spear the little pygmy yeah it was i don't like, know if that's offensive yeah. to say but, but it, <laughs> yeah huh. and um it had this gold chain on, and basically, I guess if it if the gold chain was removed, then the uh, the doll would come to life. For whatever reason, the the chain falls off its neck, and this little warrior doll comes to life, and it was creepy, man, because it was like stabbing her in the freaking. Well, the... do you think the trilogy of terrors upsets any of the four, or do you think this doll from for me Paprika is getting in? Well, the thing is, I don't think Paprika makes it. No, I just mean, because it's not prominently featured. No, now. it's not. I mean, it's it's sort of creepy, but yeah. it's nowhere near as creepy as the dolls that are, are you know, on the Rushmore at this point. Yeah, um, they're carved in there. That's hard to it's hard to get Chucky out. Yeah, which the movies would tell you as yeah. much. All right, going on to the next one. Best complicated movie geniuses. Does Doctor Tokita beat out Mark Zuckerberg in The Social Network? Doc Brown from Back to the Future, Will Hunting in Good Will Hunting, or Tony Stark from Iron Man and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There's a couple of honorable mentions as well. I have Sherlock Holmes from the Holmes movies, John Forbes Nash Jr. in A Beautiful Mind, Adrian Veidt or Mandius from Watchmen, uh, Gru from Despicable Me, Light Yagami from Death Note, and Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs. Does hmm. Dr. Tokita break... Onto the Rushmore. Probably not. Yep. He's not really... He's not an icon. Yeah. He's just a man-child. You know what I mean? Which is tough for him. I mean, I guess Zuckerberg is a man-child in the social network, but... The social network. The social network. But it's not the same. He doesn't have the same... Well, he's just not the asshole that Mark Zuckerberg was in the social network. Yeah, yeah. He didn't have the sort of stage presence and... He but, definitely had know, the, the sort of the, command of the screen. The Doc Brown, Back to the Future. I don't think he was complicated. You don't think he was complicated? No. Did he... Uh, I don't actually think I've watched... You know, this might be a blasphemous thing to say, but I actually haven't seen Back to the Future. I know that Doc Brown was the inspiration of Rick from Rick and Morty, which might even... I mean, if you knew anything about that, that might be something that would be good to put on here. But if you want to kick out Doc Brown, I'm down for it. He's He's been parodied out at this point yeah you could you could kick off doc brown but i still don't think takita yeah we'll make it with clay we won't put him in stone we'll sort of do like a cast over it all right best i mean wait a minute though hannibal lecter i I guess should i put that in before (laughs) yeah he's i think hannibal lecter definitely but he's more of a serial killer than he is a genius like it seems like he's sort of portrayed as a genius too I mean, he's he's an intellectual. I guess the most complicated thing you can be is a murderer. <laughs> so maybe maybe he should be sort of shit. Uh, I guess, there. yeah, not evil and complicated. But. Yeah. All right. Best cinematic MacGuffin. And if anybody doesn't know what a MacGuffin is, it's essentially an object or a device in a movie or a book that serves merely as a trigger for the plot. So does the DC Mini 
beat out the ring from the Lord of the Rings, the Horcruxes from Harry Potter, the Infinity Stones from the MCU, or the Ark of the Covenant from Indiana Jones. And the honorable mentions that I've compiled are the Holy Grail, which is in a bunch of different movies, the Maltese uh, Falcon, the Pulp Fiction Briefcase, Rosebud from Citizen Kane, Lebowski's Rug in The Big Lebowski, The Death Star Plans, and The Heart of the Ocean from Titanic. Does the DC Mini make it onto the MacGuffin Rushmore? No. Mm -hmm. I mean, even the honorable mentions... I think it's pretty low down there. Yeah. I think those are all just unimpeachable. Yeah. And I I mean, all the sort of lists I had found that compiled these together, they had them in different sort of orders. The Pulp Fiction briefcase was two What's in some places. What's the Horcruxes from Harry Potter? This is how we get canceled, is when you don't know anything about Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> this is a I will I admit, like. man. Um... It's essentially, I mean, the... the do the spark notes of it. Voldemort breaks himself down into a couple of different objects, and Harry and his friends have to go find him and, you know, break him apart. Uh, uh, I guess I'm going to have to uh, hone up on my Harry Potter. Yeah, when we jump into the, the Harry Potter anime fan fiction scene, once we really get into the, the later episodes of the show and we have nothing to talk about anymore, <laughs> we'll get right into that. All right, best movie mustaches. Does oh, wow. Detective Konakawa's mustache beat Sam Elliott and The Big Lebowski? Ben Stiller as White Goodman in Dodgeball, Billy D. Williams as Lando Calrissian in Star Wars, or Charlie Chaplin in The Kid. And I have a bunch of honorable mentions. There's two. Honestly, this is one of the hardest categories I've ever come up with because these men can grow some hair on their lip. It's Borat from Borat, Kip Dynamite from Napoleon Dynamite, Bruno Gantz as Hitler in Downfall, Christopher Lee in The Face of Fu Manchu, Clark Gable in Gone with the Wind, Colin Farrell in Miami Vice, Daniel Day-Lewis in both Gangs of New York and There Will Be Blood, Danny Trejo in Machete, Dustin Hoffman in Hook, and Errol Flynn in Adventures of Robin Hood. Does Detective Konakawa's mustache find its way growing on the Rushmore? Nobody beats Sam Elliott's mustache. Nobody. I would agree. That mustache, uh, that mustache has given me some feelings, and I'm a pretty heterosexual person. <laughs> But Billy D. Williams, Lando Calrissian? That's a classic mustache. You don't see... I mean, no. for one, Lando Calrissian is one of the only African-American actors in Star Wars, so the, the facial hair matters. It's representation for the, the haired lip people of the world. And I mean, honestly, Daniel Day-Lewis, Gangs of New York, that was... Classic. Yeah. That was a classic. I mean, yeah. Borat, I really wanted to put on there. All of these could have been up there. That's mm -hmm. the thing with this Rushmore. It's but I put Daniel mustache. Day up there over... Uh... Okay, yeah. that's tough for that's tough for Lando, but I understand that that sweet sweet curl on the <laughs> on the Daniel Day Lewis mustache. I have two more. One is going to be best movie dream sequences. Does the dream parade beat out the dude flying in the Big Lebowski, Jesus's dream in the Passion of the Christ, the rose petal fantasy from American Beauty, or the folding city dream in Inception? And I have a couple of honorable mentions. One is uh, Leo's Dream in Shutter Island, Club Silencio in Mulholland Drive, The Withdrawal Baby from Train Spotting. If you remember that, the baby's crawling that on the ceiling. That was really spooky, man. Yeah. That freaked me out when I watched Train Spotting. I was I was contemplating whether to put that up. I actually would put that there. Okay. That one can, sticks in my mind. We can get into that. We have the La La Land Dream dance sequences and the River of Blood vision, dream visions from The Shining where it's coming out of the elevator. Does the Dream Parade beat out the top four or would you say the top four needs to be sort of moved around with anything else yeah i want to put the dream parade in there really what are yeah. you cutting out uh jesus dream wow blasphemy this is how we get canceled it's the christians <laughs> yeah the jesus dream and the passion of christ isn't it sort of it's blasphemous and it's isn't is it, it the passion of the christ i can't remember if that's the right movie no i think I that no the, that's from um it was the scorsese one yes i just said the wrong one basically the, this the, is the it. catholic church hated that so the I catholic mean, church me... hates me for this <laughs> <laughs> i need to get these movies right they were basically saying that you know jesus was just a normal dude yeah jesus wanted to get laid like everybody yeah, else. yeah exactly and i know. believe that he, you know that's my religion it's, yeah you know oh whoa whoa well it's like marrying yeah. a prostitute sorry <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone wanted to know i had to take my shirt off it's very hot in this room i'm yeah. I'm, I'm sweating like a whore in church yeah that's what it's coming down to this wine has definitely got me a little flush too yeah this we're all 
we're we're struggling right now. Let's <laughs> jump into the last Rushmore and then we can sort of move along into you know Ghibli all grown up. We have the best on-screen alter egos. Does Paprika beat out Tyler Durden from Fight Club, Walter White as Heisenberg in Breaking Bad, Stanley Ipkiss in The Mask, which is Jim Carrey, or Stephen Stefan Urkel from Family Matters? And the honorable mentions would be Hannah Montana. Any superhero ever. <laughs> Butters as Professor Chaos. Sailor Moon. The Great Saiyan Man from DBZ. Smokey McPot and Johnny the Pot Smoker. Or excuse me, Johnny Pot Smoker from Dude Where's My Car. Sheik from Legend of Zelda. Drake Mallard as Darkwing Duck. Quail Man from Doug, which I guess these are all falling under the superhero category. Regina Falange from Friends, who is Phoebe Buffay. And Cornholio from Beavis and Butthead. Um... Does Paprika get on the board? I mean, alter egos? Yes. We don't have Superman and Clark Kent. Well, that's what I'm saying. All the superheroes. It feels almost like a, a cop-out yeah, to include But all that the might be the ultimate okay. alter ego. Okay. So we're what? We're kicking out Stefan Arkell? Are we getting rid of Stanley Ipkiss? Yeah. Stanley Ipkiss. Come right. on. Fuck Stanley. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Jim. And Stefan. Stefan? Yeah. Family Matters? You gotta put some respect on Stefan Urkel. He's no one has pulled more women than Stefan Urkel in on this list. Maybe Tyler Durden, but that's about it. Stefan has a dick game. I like, like the, the Tyler Durden. That that's I'm a big lover of Fight Club, but Hannah Montana, come on. Hannah Montana is iconic. <laughs> yeah, but she's just a character. It's not That's an alter, an alter ego. ego. I don't know. Okay. I'll go I'll go to the bat for, you know, Hannah Montana, but what, where, where does paprika sort of stand on those? Yeah, paprika. Not doing. I feel you. like I yeah I can never put these uh, these anime. anime characters in the in the. I mean we have, but overall it, it's hard. It's to, tough. We're trying yeah. to we're trying to slot these movies into a greater sort of context. Yeah. I want these to be all time. I got to know where it lists on the all time sort of characters. Yeah. So no, nothing for paprika. No, that's a goddamn shame. Well, Dad, where do you see these characters? Moving on from this movie. We end with Detective Konakawa going to see a movie. But there's a lot of sort of unanswered questions. There's a lot of ways that this can Absolutely. go around. I see that you have come up with a dossier of just potential yeah. sort of yeah, I put options some, for the I put characters. I some thought into this uh, potential sequel. Let me, let me hear it. I want to okay. know what you think. First, I, I got sort of a dark sequel. Mm -hmm. Takeda and Chiba, they get married. Because I think Chiba professes her love for Takeda at some point. Which she does seems, it in the movie. Yes. Yeah. It seems a little strange, but... You know, it, it does Nova, come out of nowhere. It's not established in the in a way that you would But, expect. you know, overweight man-child, they need love, too. And, uh... Yeah. Quagmire said hey, it himself. You know, he gets, you know, he gets a hot chick, so... Hell yeah. Anyways, I get them getting married, mm -hmm. and they start their own company, and they're using the same technology they learned in designing <laughs> the DC Mini. They create an augmented reality device called the AR Mini. Okay. And it becomes so successful, they end up selling out to Facebook. Typical. Basically, Facebook ruins it because they start allowing a free version, which allows them to place advertisements in your field of view. Typical. Nightmare. Yeah. yeah. Typical Facebook, you know. Uh-huh. And uh, the, 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 the part of it is that the technology is so good that people can't really tell the difference between augmented reality and true reality which mm. sort of almost plays into the whole dreamscape yeah and of course who comes into play russia putin yeah putin the russians they find a way to secretly infiltrate the ar minis you know stream mm -hmm. and they convert covertly start to brainwash the american public which ultimately leads to social unrest and ultimately civil war so total dystopia Wow. I would never expect something like that happen yeah. in the world. Yeah. I couldn't even picture in my wildest yeah. dreams of Civil War. Yeah. You it, do have a good ending, though. Uh, I see that as well. Yeah. Well, then then I said, well, that, that is pretty dark. I mean, I, I don't think Paprika deserves to, you know, be the uh, the, the end all <laughs> the of the backdrop of, of, of our yes, world. Yes, exactly. The, the end of the United States or wherever. Not that uh, it took place in the United States, but anyways. Yeah. Um, now, the, my feel-good... Uh, idea is being that they know what the dc mini is like you know they it's like okay this is extremely dangerous they they want to get away from the uh the whole dream 
aspect of it. Mm-hmm. But like I said, this technology allows them to sort of, you know, get into somebody's mind and, and you know, and do, you know, basically imprint different things. Now, as Chiba encourages Tokita to develop this new device mm-hmm. that helps people lose weight. Mm-hmm. And Takeda becomes his own test subject and perfects the technology and becomes living proof that the device works by losing over 200 pounds. So he gets hot. In this oh, situation. yeah. He gets in shape. Is it a six-pack or just an eight-pack? Like, how, how uh, jacked do you want him I to mean, be? I mean, I think he's got a little bit more to go, but, I mean, okay. 200. I mean, I'm not sure where he weighs in, but he looks like he's he's pushing. Well, he, he's he's got that NFL linebacker body. Yeah. I see him in that back seat drinking an aloe water, sweating his ass off, and he looks like a big man. Yeah. Well, he, he's got some neck rolls in the back, man, if you see, if you look at it, man. Yeah. He, he's, he's pushing maybe 400. So, But he's in pretty good shape now. And oh, yeah. uh, him and Chiba... Um, Dr. Chiba, they they basically get married, Mm -hmm. and they start a a very successful self-help business that puts all renowned self-help gurus like Tony Robbins out of business. As they should be. Fuck Tony Robbins. Yes. Where do you see Konakawa? Konakawa. Well, after, you know, he finishes watching, you know, because you see him go into that movie, The Dream Machine. Dream and, Kids, Dreaming Kids. Oh, is it Dream Kids? Dreaming Machine was the real Satoshi Kon movie. Dreaming Kids was the fake one. Oh, okay. We go on. Sorry. Um, he's in, inspired to quit the force, mm-hmm. and he follows his dream of A-cab. making films. What's that? Sorry, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes up with a script for a sequel to the movie Inception, which he is able to somehow pitch to Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. And um, while Nolan has never created a sequel to his movies, he's blown away by the script. Okay? So he, in a meta way, was incepted by Konakawa. Yes. Dope. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. It all comes around, full circle. So he agrees to make the movie. The sequel is a huge success. Konakawa becomes one of the most sought-after script writers for the next 10 years. That's a pretty nice ending. Yeah. I'm I'm glad both of those people get I think he deserves it. Yeah, I think he worked through his problems just enough. Yeah. I see Dr. Shima retor- <laughs> retires to the countryside with his dog. Yeah. Which, I mean, you would hope that for anybody. You know, I, I, I have a little feeling like Shima, Dr. Shima might be a little bit of a perv, though. I mean, I think he's... That's that's something that you could levy against most sort of anime characters. <laughs> I don't think anyone who is in an anime has not thought about I fear an for upskirt. Any, I fear least. for any of the country girls that are in the, you know... Yeah, yeah, the country girls need to watch out yeah, for Dr. Exactly, Shima. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have, you know, you know, Chiba and Tokita are going to end up together. That's yeah. that's pretty, you know, cut and dry at the yeah. end of the movie. I think it gets a little more complicated, though. Chiba is going to... She can't quit Paprika. Paprika is almost a different person to Chiba. Okay. So she's going to keep going on. This is only going to cause, you know, either marital or relationship problems between him and Tokita because... There's no way Paprika is getting off that detective dick. She is sticking around with Konakawa. They're having an extramarital sort of affair. And this all blows up in a in a you know, a her esque Futurama Colleen Hallahan dilemma where Tokita is essentially just figuring out my girlfriend has twenty other boyfriends, and I really have to figure out what's going on there. <laughs> this would be a real interrogation of the modern love story polyamory kind of dealing with feelings in the modern world when you're you're separating yourself on the internet they move in together all of them Konakawa, chiba and tokita they have an odd couple s sort of house i don't want to say four-way because technically you need to be in the dreamscape but there there's some there's some does this lead to a reality series this leads to a bukkake <laughs> oh no not the bukkake oh my god yeah, yeah. uh that, so, I mean, do they start their own porn channel? Well, this kind of goes into what I believe Konakawa is going to pursue. I also think he's going to get out of the, the, the police business. I don't think that's a really, you know, feasible feasible business for him to be part of anymore. I think Konakawa and the man that he's chasing, his old friend, which we'll get into the sort of casting yeah. in a moment, which will explain this. But they're going to start a project similar to uh, Project Greenlight, which is essentially an HBO show about making movies. And they're gonna can't, <laughs> and they're gonna get canceled for whitewashing the cast, which goes perfectly into our Disney live action recast, <laughs> where we recast these movies and essentially try to try to find our, you know, whatever works <laughs> in our right. personal minds. 
So going into the recast, we do know that Wolfgang Peterson was lined up to do a live-action adaptation of Paprika back in 2010, but it's, assi- it's assumed that Inception fucked that up. So we yeah. don't know if we're going to see that again. So okay. we're trying to do it ourselves. We're trying to put this movie together. Okay. What? Who so do you think Wolfgang is going to... Wolfgang relinquishes his right. Uh-huh. And um, that begs the question, um, could Michael Bay direct this movie? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Michael no Bay? Bay? Come on. Well, I mean, what's your reasoning for Bay this week? Do you have some sort of apology sheet for what Bay is going to be good for or what? I think he's just going to nail a CGI. That's yeah, all Bay's yeah. CGI is all you need to make a good movie. I'm just trying to make a case for Bay. I, I, I Bay's he, gone. No? You spelt his name Michael Bay. You didn't even spell the right Michael, so he doesn't oh deserve gosh. the respect that he's getting right now. For me, the director, it's got to be somebody who's dealing with sort of the surreal, the dreamscape, somebody who has a real idea about technology. And I had a couple of directors that I thought might be all right. Charlie Kaufman would be my first, and my second would either be Spike Jones. Spike Jones has worked with Charlie Kaufman as a writer, uh, and as of late, Charlie Kaufman just came out with, I'm thinking of anything, which is a very sort of surreal dream, not really necessarily dream-based, but fantasy-based. What did based. Charlie Kaufman, didn't he do... Um... Eternal Sunshine, yeah. Adaptation, yeah. Tra- uh, John Malkovich. Oh, yeah. And then we have David Lynch, who is the, the, the king of dream movies. You know, we have Racerhead, Mulholland Drive. This man is all over the goddamn place. I don't I know like what you that would do. David Lynch. You like the pick? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm but going... I, I could go with you know. Either you could one. go with Bay. <laughs> no. <laughs> one of these days I'm gonna get Bay in there, man. Maybe it really will depend on the movie, and I'll maybe I'll go along with it. You just need yeah. a stronger case. Yeah. I need you to come with some notes. Yeah. Who do you have as your paprika? Uh, for my paprika, I was thinking Kate Mara, which I think is a perfect casting. Yeah. Who else did you have? Oh, Isla Fisher. Mm-hmm. I thought she might, but I mean, yeah. just I'm a redhead. Like, yeah, I mean, I I looked at all the redheads and uh, either one of those, but I I really like the Kate Mara. I think the Kate Mara uh, casting is perfect. I had Brace, uh, excuse me, I had Bryce Dallas Howard as my second pick. She's appeared in Jurassic World, Black Mirror. She's a very pretty, uh, talented actress. I just think Kate Mara is perfect, which goes right into our Doctor Chiba picks. And I had her sister. I had Rooney Mara, yeah. who was in the the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, that's Pearl smart. Carol. I like that. I think there's a perfect sort of juxtaposition, you know, sisters. Yeah. yeah. I had something else, what you know, brewing in my mind, which I think would work. It was Mackie Q. She was from Divergent, Mission Impossible Three, Live Free or Die Hard. I think she's a talented actress. I think it was one of those things that would be interesting for, really, the the dream internet juxtaposition where. I mean, I guess it would be somebody who is white versus somebody who is a, a person of color and how that sort of plays into the dream internet yeah. uh, mindscape. Yeah. Who did you have as your Dr. Chiba? Um, I was thinking Emma Watson. Okay. Any reason? Uh, I just think she's sort of got that right look. Mm-hmm. She needs some more work. She's yeah, she hasn't done anything. I mean, it, this might be a big, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine... This is going to be like a crazy... If they ever do make a movie about Paprika, mm-hmm. it's going to be wild. So, yeah. Um, Little Women didn't do it for her. She She's not jumping no. back on the scene with Little Women. She needs this to be in the Dr. Cheaper role. Yeah, she seems to be going down that Kira Knightley, you know... Does she do all these period pieces or... I don't know really what she does. It seems like she was in The Circle. She was in oh, Little Oh, yeah, Women. I saw The Circle. That yeah. was the last thing I seen her in. Yeah. It's a shame, man, because I like her. I love Emma Watson. Yeah. You're, we're going to get into some controversial picks and I'm, I'm going to dress you down appropriately. We have Dr. Tokita. I want you to let me know who you have is this, this character. Cause I have, I, I put some thought into these and then yeah. you served up what I believe is a recurring sort of question. Yeah. I'm wondering if this would call for a uh, appearance of fat bastard. Okay. Explain your case. <laughs> <laughs> it would be funny. Um, I can just picture Fat Bastard. He's in the uh, the elevator. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm in a bind. I got a turtle head poking out. Yeah, he's squeezing one out in the elevator. Yeah. That's sick, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I got a crap on dick that could choke a donkey. 
And if, yeah, Tokita hits Chiba with that, it's over. They're already getting together. And he goes, by the way, yeah, the DC minis work, I mean, missing. Who do you think has more sex appeal, Fat Bastard or Dr. Tokita? Because I think Fat Bastard has sex appeal in in contrast to Dr. Tokita. I think there's more romance potential. I mean, he beds uh, Heather Graham, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. He's a sexy bastard. Yeah, he he fucks. (laughs) That's the thing nobody talks about is, is yeah. Fat Bastard fucks. Yeah, yeah. He might have a chicken wing between his ass cheeks, but he's getting at it. <laughs> I had a couple of different choices. I guess two, really, mostly. I would really want Jonah Hill. But Jonah Hill is going to have to commit to this role. I need him to gain all the weight back. Yeah. He's done a great job losing all that weight. He has moved on to being a uh, you know an accomplished director at this point. I need you to be fat again, my guy. Yeah. I also need you to be wearing lifts like you're fucking, you know, yeah. uh, <laughs> Robert De Niro in the the Irishman. Like I need you to be a tall man. Yeah. Cause Tokido is huge. Yeah. I also had my CGI creation, which you also had this in uh, your Doctor yeah. Tokido role. Right. Is a young John Candy. Yeah. Who I think has the sort of boyish charm, the the humor, maybe the energy that would be helpful to carry this movie along. Yeah. Who is your CGI? My CGI? Uh-huh. I really couldn't come up with anything, really, but I'm thinking, like, Andy Sakaris could, you know, pull off a full CGI of uh, Dr. Tokita. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially just puts on a fat suit. Yeah, just goes exactly. at it. I mean, today's Hollywood, it seems like everybody that's, you know, had any weight is, like, constantly, everybody's, like, trying to lose that weight. You know yeah. what I mean? Everybody that was big is now skinny. Yeah. Or you do the Jared Leto and you get fat to play John Lennon's killer and no one gives a shit. Yeah. That's the other sort of option. Yeah. So I guess it's one of the... Well, yeah, they either put the weight on then they take it off. Yeah. Or, but, you know, there's just not a lot of heavy people in, in Hollywood right now. I want Jonah Hill to get gout. That's how badly I want him in this role, but I want him to be sick by the end of it. <laughs> so we have Dr. Shima next. And you picked the perfect one. You had the number one draft pick. And who, yeah. who is that number one? I pick? mean, this is... Impeach him. I mean, Danny DeVito is perfect. Yeah, perfect. I mean, if you if you had to take a, a look at his picture now and and uh, Doctor Shima, I mean, he's doesn't even have to get makeup. Yeah. That man could walk on to the. the I set. mean, the height, the freaking. I mean, you know, the bald head. I mean, it's perfect. Yeah, I have because I had the same thing. I was like, this man is Danny DeVito, so I don't even know what I'm gonna do. I tried to pick a couple of different ones. I had Joe Pesci. You ask him one more time. It's like, I know you just did The Irishman. I want you to come out for this role one more time. Jump out a window. We'll give you $5 million. That uh, could be sort of funny, though. You know, you could have Pesci like, what? You think I'm funny? Yeah. You think I'm a clown? <laughs> think a 24-bit plan is going to be analyzed? <laughs> I also had uh, Toby Jones, who is a very sort of peculiar-looking actor, but he's he's been in a lot. And then I just had Jason Alexander. I thought it would be fun to have... Uh, Christ, what is his fucking name from Seinfeld? Oh my gosh. Drawn a blank. Costanza. There Costanza, it is. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see Costanza in a Shima role. Yeah. He's just coming out, bald head, white hair. He'd be having a he'd been having a blast. He's a short guy too. I don't think he's over five six. No, he's pretty short. You also came up with the number one draft pick for Detective Konakawa, which yeah. is what? Colin Farrell. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect mustache. Can work out the fucking, you know, flat top. Yeah. Probably, I don't even know. I, I, what would Colin Farrell's dreamscape essentially be? Just cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> Just chasing coke all the fucking movie? Pretty much. Great, great. I have a perfect casting for the Project Greenlight suggestion that I had made earlier. And Detective Konakawa has to be Ben Affleck. I think that because not only does he probably pull off a pretty good mustache. I mean, he's got some beard capability. He can get that flat top. I want him to be chasing around Matt Damon that whole movie. <laughs> I wanted them to be like, we should be making movies together. This is the alternative to Goodwill Hunting. It's where Chucky just becomes a cop and he has this sort of dream sequence and he's just chasing after, well, uh, you know, Will Hunting or fucking yeah. uh, Matt Damon. He's like, we should be making movies. We should be fucking writing this script. Yeah, I see the potential with that. I, I could... think... I think... <laughs> That would be funny as hell. I'm glad you like him and it. Damon. <laughs> I think him and Damon just need to reunite. It'd be it's just been like too yeah, long. this weird little subplot, you know? Yeah. Well, that also plays into my uh, my Charlie Kaufman sort of thing, where Gone Girl, the whole subplot of that movie is a deconstruction of Ben Affleck as an actor and a person by David Fincher. 
I want them to do the same sort of thing with him, but his, his relationship with Matt Damon. I want to know all about the sort of secret mental machinations oh, wow, that Charlie yeah. Kaufman would take out of it. Yes. Your next one is irredeemable. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled you aside in the hallway before we stepped into uh, this office, and I said, Dad, do you, are you sure you want to do this one? Yeah, I do. Who is your Himaru? Ken Jeong. Awful. <laughs> Why? No, Why do you want Kem Jong? Because I think he would just play this over-the-top, weird, freaking... He'd be the know. hangover guy. Yeah. Himero. I mean, you've got this Jacob Battalion. Yeah, Jacob Battalion at least looks like Himero. I think he is... I mean, he lost some weight, too, so maybe he... Is one of those actors who yeah might have he to looks put it like on. it, but I just don't think he's just gonna ha- he's gonna have a, he's gonna be a little bit more demented. I mean, Himero was you know he's a f- flawed human being, man. You, are you saying Ken Jeong is a, is, a, is a deranged person? What are you saying? In The Hangover, he was crazy. Yeah, The Hangover is just him uh, without a script. It's crazy. They put him in the trunk, and they're yeah. just like, all right, Ken, we're letting you out. They tapped the top, and he just started fucking running around with his dick out. Yeah. Okay, okay. I, I think that is an unforgivable I mean, he pick. is a little old. I mean, probably, yeah, for the part. But, I mean, he, he's still got a, a young-looking face. And, yeah, and if this is a dreamscape, yeah. anybody could be anybody, right? I mean, they they got to put that doll, you know, hair, you know, bowl cut wig on him. Mm-hmm. and uh, A lot of bowl cuts in these anime movies. Yeah. And I'm really like, it's a look. It's yeah. a hard look, but it's a look. Yeah. Who was your chairman, Dr. Inui? Well, I thought like the, the I, Patrick Stewart could nail it. But yeah. at the same point, you know, he's already done the role where he's you know, in, a in a wheelchair. So <laughs> I was just like, you know, I don't want to, you know, typecast him as... The old guy, the old ball guy in a wheelchair. So, okay. but, you know, and then I came up with also Christopher Walken, which I like. Yeah. I think you shave his head. I think that's yeah. a rock solid pick. Yeah. I had two different options. And I would love to hear your opinion on them. First one is my joke pick. He, this man just looks like John Waters. You shave John Waters head, maybe get rid of the, the, the black pencil thin mustache. You might have a sort of case for yourself. Yeah. I also have Robert Duvall, who I think would add the certain sort of gravitas that a respected Hollywood actor would need for a type of role like this to be the villain. How do you feel about Robert Duvall? No, I like that. Okay. I think he could, he would nail it. I mean, John Waters, I don't know if he's got the acting chops to, to pull off. Uh, yeah. I don't even know what John Waters has done. I yeah. just know that. I mean, he's face. a director, so I, I mean, I Is don't he? know. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. My bad. So, I mean, maybe he's had some, you know, maybe he's appeared. the director of paprika. <laughs> <laughs> That's possible. Move aside, Charlie Coffin. Your your Dr. Osunai was a pick that I really enjoyed, and it plays into the the Inception connection. What was your Dr. Osunai? Yeah, Joseph Mm Gordon-Levitt. Good pick. It was a good pick. Yeah. I think you throw... I had a picture on this Word document that we had compiled for the show. I found the picture that he was in for The Walk with a... I don't know if it was a brown wig or whatever, but I thought in that particular movie he... At least fit the the the, the appearance of a Doctor Osunai, so we would kind of know what he would yeah. look like. Mine's mine's a little bit reaching into the back. It was Desmond Harrington who appeared in the Dexter uh, TV show. I think he, they just look alike. They yeah. have that sort of similar gaunt cheek uh, outline. Yeah. Desmond Harrington plays kind of a sleazy cop. Osunai is a sleazy fucking dude when it comes to the rape scene and stuff like that. Right. So I, I think that would be an appropriate uh, cast. Yeah, I see that. I mean, like you said, he's he does have that perfect look based on the on the character in the mm-hmm. in the animation. But in regards to our last choice, is almost as questionable as Ken Jong, but at least you have some logic behind it. <laughs> Who do you have cast as your two bartenders? Well, I had trouble. I I really you know they really have bit parts, mm-hmm. but I came up with this idea. That we'd uh, bring back Tom Cruise and Brian Brown from yep. Cocktail. Tom Cruise is short enough to be the other guy. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. And um, of course, I don't know. He's got that Hitler mustache, but that might be funny as hell to have Tom Cruise with a Hitler mustache. Strangely fitting in a way. Yeah. And uh, they're going to reprise their roles from Cocktail. And um, the funny thing about Cocktails, because I can just see them, they're going to start you know, doing the whole bottle flipping. Yeah. And, it's going to look like a TGI Friday. Oh, yeah. And uh, Konakawa is sitting down for a drink and... Uh, the funny thing about Cocktail was um, the Brian Brown uh, character, you know, was, um, what was his name? Coughlin. Mm-hmm. Coughlin's And he had laws. all these Coughlin laws. 
And when you read some of the uh, the quotes from the movie now, mm-hmm. you almost could say that they could just fit right into the movie. Like he has one of the coffin lots, bury the dead. They stink up the place. Perfect. Uh, a man will always be judged by the amount of alcohol he can consume. And a woman will be impressed whether she likes it or not. What and was it, Coughlin's diet? That's a perfect one. Yeah, Coughlin's diet is cocktails and dreams. <laughs> that sounds like Detective Kokona, uh, uh, Konakawa sipping on a, a you know yeah. nice whiskey. Yeah. A bartender is the aristocrat, aristocrat of the working class. The luck is gone. The brain is shot. But the liquor we, will, we still got. This sounds I mean, more like it would fit for us since we're just half faded off a bottle. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I feel like Coughlin's Law is in play right now. Yeah, it's applicable to this yeah. podcast. The luck is gone. The brain is shot, but the liquor is still got. The, that, no, the liquor we still got. That I should, can't even say the freaking line. Yeah, that should be our intro music is that yeah. particular line. Yeah. I had, for my two bartenders, I had Nathan Lane as the shorter one. Yeah. I just thought they looked kind of similar. You give him a little Hitler mustache. He might have had something... Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know he's in the producers. I can't remember if he had a mustache in that. <laughs> For my my taller bartender, which I believe his name was Jin Nay, I had either Sam Elliott because the the mustache on that man is is pretty formidable. He's got yeah. some dark sunglasses. I had a I had a nice you know option for that one. My joke pick would just be Jim Carrey in the Joe Biden outfit with a mustache and some sunglasses. I think that character. <laughs> yeah. he, I just thought he looked Jim Carrey esque, big, yeah. tall, lanky. Yeah, got a kind of crazy look to him. I think, I think that'd be okay. I think we would be not completely sort of bagged on for these these castings. All right, Dad. It's the last call. All right. What are the questions for the director? What are your sort of things that you want to sort of air out before we go? Well, obviously, Satoshi Khan is no longer with us. R.I.P. So he uh, he obviously can't answer these, but nevertheless, we're gonna ask them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still. For whatever reason, I, I'm still questioning why the dolls were holding up their arm. Um, I guess that'll never be answered. Yeah. <laughs> it's a mystery. Yeah. <laughs> also, there was like a lot of scene. There was a bunch of scenes where these blue butterflies, and I, I'm not sure what that represented. I think that might have just been Osanai, because when Osanai disintegrates into the butterflies, yeah. I think that's his sort of represent. Oh, in the dream imagery. World? So yeah. I think that's him moving through the dream and sort of pushing things along. That's my understanding of what's going on. Right. I want to know why the chairman is, you know, the chairman of an organization responsible for the DC Mini. Why is he so mad? Why is he so critical of science? Why is he so critical of dreams? How did he find himself in this position of authority on a project where he is pissed? That's my biggest question. Yeah. Also, just the the baby Chiba ending where she becomes a baby to a young woman to a full woman and sucks up everything like a spaghetti noodle. I'm not a hundred percent sure yeah. what that's supposed to mean. And so what does that basically mean? The chairman, does he die or does he go into a coma or something? I think his body. Yeah. I think he's probably in a coma at this point because yeah. Osanai dies when he's shot by uh, detective Kodakawa. He Essentially, I mean, he dies. You yeah. see his body sort of has the bullet hole in the back. So whatever it is between the connection and the dream and the, the real world, it would kind of mend. So I imagine he's dead at this point. Or maybe, you know, Dr. Chiba is going to have indigestion. I don't really know how that sort of stuff works out. We're heading right into Notes and Errata, just to sort of close out our episode. Dad, is there any corrections or anything you want to bring up that was either messed up or omitted from the previous episode? Yeah, we couldn't come up with the name of the movie that uh, basically brought you to tears uh-huh. as, a, as a small child. Which one? <laughs> uh, my dog. <laughs> Which one? Yeah. <laughs> but probably my first uh, memory of you actually getting emotionally uh, upset over a movie was my dog Skip. Okay. That was the one. Frankie at the end, basically Skip dies and... Spoiler I, alert. Yeah, I can remember... Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For anyone who hasn't seen my yeah, dog Skip. My Skip. Yeah, Skip dies. I'm sorry. Um, it was funny cause you just didn't, you know, you were trying to pretend that you were like crying for no apparent reason, but it was obviously yeah. because, you know, the dog skipped cause like, dude, what's wrong? And you just wouldn't address it. But, uh, yeah, it's yeah. funny ever since then, every movie that I've cried to, I'm just like, I'm thinking about skip. <laughs> I never, I wouldn't admit at that point, but now it's just part of who I yeah. am. Also, I had written this in for you. Is there anything you want to say to rebel Wilson before we go? We had a, 
a moment in time where you felt maybe yeah something I, about I, it. I just didn't you know I I, I want to apologize to Rebel for uh, basically even implying that she might have you know a neck that resembles um, the the witches the, <laughs> the witch of the, the waste. waste that's fair yeah. sorry not Rebel. that I thought she did I mean obviously you would have to CGI that in but whatever the, yeah the CGI necks are usually the things that a lot of people yeah. have. What do you uh, rate our, our lubricant this afternoon? And we're basing it off one to five. Is we're basing what? it off whatever sort of barometer you wanna you wanna set it to. I give it my highest rating. Highest rating. Yeah. So five out of five. Yeah, I I like this Robert Modavi. Okay. The, specifically the uh, the bourbon barrel the barrel aged Cabernet Sauvignon. I think I'm also gonna give it. Five frogs playing the drums in a dream parade out of five. All right. I feel like that's that's a fair rating. It's frogs, pretty, they're it's, always there. Yeah, it's a pretty good rating. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week. We haven't decided exactly what we're going to be doing, but just like everything, we might be introducing a new category. Maybe not. Maybe just going to get drunk. Who knows? <laughs> All we know is we'll be here. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye.